Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel podcast show. So this evening, I am bringing back a returning co-host from 2017. This gentleman is very unique compared to most of our other co-hosts because this gentleman has traveled around the country and he is blind. He's not just blind, but he's actually freaking amazing because I got to meet him at the MapCon conference outside of Philadelphia where he spoke. And then I learned he's also, you know, besides getting into public speaking, now he's a multi-author because last time he and I caught up, he caught me and you, the audience, up on leading you out of the darkness and into the light, a blind man's inspirational guide to success. And that, for you listeners, if you're new, was episode 95 that we published back on July 24th, 2017. But we're bringing him back today because he's got another exciting book launch happening called The Blind Blogger's New York City or NYC Adventures and How You Can Make Your Dreams Come True. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, Maxwell Ivy, sir. Well, thanks, uh, Scott. I appreciate you having me back on and having me back on so soon because uh, you have a lot of great guests. Many of them want to come back or need to be brought back, and it's uh, it's only been a few months since I was here. Well, I mean, as I hinted, I like to bring back quality people, and you, sir, have a more unique story than most. So. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do my best. Um, so. I think you do more than best. I mean, <laughs> let's be real. A lot of people yeah. don't understand the power of losing a sense, right? Or maybe yeah. never, maybe never having one of those senses. So, actually, real quick, if we have we have newer listeners to the show, uh, why don't we catch them up real quick? So, sure. let's help our sure. newer listeners know, kind of like going way back. Did you start off obviously being blind? Did you your blindness obviously gradually kicked into a higher gear? Let's catch them up on all that real quick. Sure, sure, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I was born with a uh, with a vision disease called retinitis pigmentosa. Most people know it as RP. I had perfect vision until I was about four or five when they noticed that I was falling down and running into things more than the rest of the kids in the fa- extended families. Hmm. And so they had me checked out. And, and luckily, we lived near Houston, which is one of the few places where they even knew what RP was in early 70s. Uh, it started to progress where I would lose a little vision slowly. Uh, when I got to about 12 or 13, I had a, a pretty good drop off in vision down to where I was, uh, legally blind and, and started to learning to use a cane, started learning Braille transition from, uh, regular printed text to larger printed text to using a CCTV device to eventually, uh, audio cassettes and and back then we had uh, flexible discs in addition to cassettes for audio books the uh the five and, and a quarter floppy discs no 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 i'm talking about vinyl um yeah. the the equivalent of an album you know so you would listen to like 10 an average book would be 10 or 12 albums you'd play both sides at 33 rpms mm-hmm. and i you'd get about an hour and a half of uh listening time per album counting both sides together Wow. So, uh, so albums and cassettes and, uh, my vision stayed pretty good until I was, uh, in college. And then I had another decrease in vision to where it's down to what it is now, which is, is technically light perception, which means clinically I am not totally blind, but in my opinion, I have, uh, so little functional vision that it's just easier and more honest to say totally blind and people understand that better. So that's, 
that's my vision at this point. I know how to read Braille, but I'm not a Braille user. Uh, although they've made it much easier to use Braille nowadays because you have these Braille electronic dis uh, displays with the pop-up pin pinheads. Oh wow! Where you can where you can download books from Amazon or from libraries, and the the you know the digital device will dis display that Braille one line or however many lines at a time, depending on what what size and price device you're using. And so people, instead of having to have huge piles of Braille books, can you know download the electronic version and read it using these pop-up pinhole Braille displays. And uh, there's some people in Japan that are actually have actually come out with a flexible dis display. So it's uh, it can even give you the feel of reading an old-style book or magazine, but you're reading Braille. So it's kind of interesting there. Uh, but I, I depend mostly on on screen readers, on uh, tactile, and on asking people to tell me what stuff is. That's <laughs> what I do. That's what I do mostly. So and, I, I love and all this background. Several, you you never gave us this last time. I don't think we actually dug that deep into all the tech and the technology advancements. This is pretty cool. No, no, we didn't. And but usually I am trying to tell the story in a short period of time and I sometimes rush and I sometimes leave things out. So it was a great question and it, it helped us catch people up and it also answered something that we had never talked about, which is always great second appearance. Yeah. I mean, you, you make me want to go Google now, like these new, this new <laughs> technology, because I, I mean, I have heard of the whole raised pin pinning type devices and I think I've seen them once on like a movie. Uh, but I never really knew that they've they're continuing to advance any of these. You were saying flexible screens and everything else, which that's exciting because let's be real. I mean, you're not the only gentleman out there living with that condition. So there's got to be true. other people looking for those advancements, and they're willing to spend that kind of money to have that kind of technology to give them more freedom in their learning right. and their education. Right. One of the really exciting new pieces of technology is a device called OrCam, and I was actually going to get a demonstration and maybe be a, a representative for them, but I started having some some health issues. I missed a couple of, of appointments with them and I missed out on that opportunity. But the thing that's really cool about the OraCam, especially the latest version of it is, it's a device that you basically put on your your glasses or your jacket. You know what? Uh, I know you. I don't want to mess with your screen, but is it okay if I do a, a screen share real Welcome quick? Sure. I just brought up their website. My <laughs> and you point your you point your finger at stuff, and you ask OrCam what it is, and OrCam will tell you. And the beauty, the really crazy, uh, incredible thing this. about OrCam is is you don't have to have it connected. You don't have to have it connected to the internet, to Wi-Fi, to the cloud. It runs. It does everything off of some really, really, really small computer processing equipment. It's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. For now, just to stop the, because I also help you with your your end of your technology. I'm just going to bring up an image of it versus their okay. entire website, because uh, I thought it'd be cool to actually look at this and see. So I, yeah, I and, I, uh, and I mean, the new one, the, like I say, the latest the latest version, in addition to being able to identify um, uh, objects and and read signs, can actually read text which is another thing usually you have to have a lot of usually you have to be hooked up to a laptop or a desktop or a, a tablet or something to get to get OCR with speech but huh. you know not with OrCam and the real, the and in my opinion one of the really cool things about OrCam is if it, okay say i meet you on the street and you go hey max i'm 
Scott, you know me, I'm Scott. I can tell Orcam that you're Scott. And from now on, every time Orcam sees you, it's going to say, Max, it's Scott. Oh, really? It has visual. Yes. Like, I mean, we're looking at the image right now. I can see, well, this is a nice little package box. I see the little camera clipped onto the eye, eyewear. And then this big battery pack looking device, which I guess <laughs> is that like basically like a mini computer that stores yeah. all that facial yeah. recognition? Yeah, it stores. Well, it doesn't recognize everything. It recognizes what you tell it to recognize. But you so basically, you're literally teaching. So this is learning yes. technology. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. You can teach it. Yeah. So like, you know, say you happen to own a particularly ugly truck, you could probably tell it, this is my truck. And from then on, when it sees that truck, it would probably tell you, Hey, Max, your truck is here. <laughs> well, that, but it, wow. but I do know for a fact that it would, I do know for a fact that it works with people hmm. and that, you know, once, if you, if you do this second or third step, whatever it is to tell it, to put the person's image it will let you assign a name to them. And then from now on, whenever it sees that person, it can tell you, hey, Scott. Well, you know what? We're going to have to. So when I publish this episode, I'm going to throw OrCam in as one of the key words, because if this ends up driving any kind of Google recognition, right? And then OrCam sees that we're talking about them and they see that you're doing such a great <laughs> job promoting their technology. Uh, and again, to the OrCam people, if you end up seeing this YouTube video when it goes up, give Max another shot at this cool tech. I think he's earned it because you just got done promoting a really good job uh, for free marketing for them because this is really cool stuff. I didn't even know about it. Right. And I think I think it's uh, I think it's uh, I just think it's crazy how geeked I am over the thing. And I have yet to even play with one. I'm just going off of people I know who have used it and stuff I've been told and stuff I've seen on the website. So I agree. Yeah, I did just give them a really good push. So hopefully uh, they will see it. Well, heck, we'll, we'll, we'll do one better. I'll ask one of my friends to share the YouTube link with, uh, with, with them on. <laughs> yeah. We'll well, some, let's think about we'll this. Get some, Hold on. We'll get somebody to, we'll get somebody to hook us up. Let's be know? real, Max. Your brand is to our listeners, guys, this is the blind blogger. Okay. I mean, so to our listeners, if, and again, this is always put in the blog content on our site anyway, but go to the blind blogger.net and you can learn all about him, his books, everything. But let's be real. This is what online entrepreneurs do all the time. They start blogging about stuff. And next thing you know, companies like OrCam just sends you the stuff because you're living with, you are their target audience. I feel like they should be giving you a product like this well, so you can blog about it. Right. Well, see, that was the that was the interesting thing because um, of, this is like five, six months back before Christmas. A couple of people were starting to say, you know, Max, you are an influencer, which is a word we can talk about in a minute because I'm still not sure I am one. Uh, and about that time, these people at OrCam, they send me an email out of the blue and they go, uh, Mr. Ivy, uh, we were searching the Internet for established bloggers who are uh, well known and respected in the blindness community. And your name was like the first name that came up. Because you own so, the keywords blind blogger. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you right now, like, if, if for some reason I forget, like I don't even bother typing in, I don't even bother typing in your website. I just do like literally right now I just did, let's just try this out real quick. Hold on. Uh, and, I, and I'm not sharing the screen, but I'm just going to go ahead and type blind space yeah. blogger. And yeah. you're the first website that comes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was totally, I was totally floored when I found this out uh, a few weeks back. Alex Akorji, she's a lady who's had me on her show a couple of times. She loves me. She goes, Max, you are an influencer. I said, no, I'm not because you're not an influencer until you get paid for it. In my opinion. Well, it's just, 
that's just a, something that stuck in my head. I'll have to work with. But here's the thing she told me. She said, Max, have you Googled yourself? I said, come on, I ain't Googled myself. That's something crazy people do. <laughs> Listen, I, I Googled she... myself back <laughs> back when, and, and, and to our listeners, this is not a dirty talk, right? We're literally not saying the, the doodle yourself. We're saying Google yourself on Google. Yeah. <laughs> Let me clarify that. <laughs> but Well, if there are audience, I think they know what we meant. Well, you never know. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Things get a little crazy in the podcast world. You don't know. This is true. Uh, this but, is true. but I will tell you, when I first, when LinkedIn was founded and I put myself on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a powerful platform because they're so keyword rich, right? So yep. literally a couple of weeks later, I Google myself and LinkedIn is the top result. Like my, my profile on LinkedIn, this is years ago. So that's before I even started studying anything about what SEO is, right? Search engine optimization and keyword recognition. This is yeah. way back. So long story short, yeah, you don't have to get paid to technically be an influencer. The influencer definition is, are you putting out content that influences a certain demographic? If you are, and that demographic does recognize you you are an influencer in one form or another. Now, yes, I agree with you. It'd be nice to get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> but to finish to finish that thread, um, she said, Max, I just Googled you. And under uh, Maxwell Ivy, there's over 400,000 responses. And under the blind blogger, there's over a million responses. And most all of them are about you, doggone. That's the way she talks. She always says, there you go. Uh, And I'm like, you got to. But then I found out something about Google I didn't realize is that they're not just indexing my blog posts or my podcast episodes, you know, what's my, what's your excuse show episodes, or, uh, they index everything. Like if you post a blog, if you post, put a post up on your blog and people are posting comments and you're replying to their comments, every single one of those is indexed as a separate event by Google. And Absolutely. I had no idea about that. I really didn't understand just how much, separate little bitty pieces of information that they're they're keeping out there on the search engines about us. Oh, I definitely tell people all the time that if you choose to put content up on a blog, in YouTube, whatever, and if that platform has the functionality in place to allow a follower to comment, if you never comment back, you're missing out. Like at least you don't have to do it right away. I mean, if you have the time, great, stay on top of it. But like that's something that I've done a lot in the past two months, like with my YouTube channel. YouTube has since... Uh, released a different app called the YouTube uh, Studio. And that allows you to kind of supervise or manage your video content and your channel a lot easier. So now I go into that app because all the alerts pop right in there. If somebody's commenting on something or if somebody's a spammer, I can delete it right away. I can comment <laughs> back right away, whatever. Uh, but the point is, like, there's one video that, thanks to podcasting, there's one video that's just been going viral because we were talking a lot about Oh, what was it? Oh, it was the American Heart Association months ago basically made an erroneous uh, pub uh, publication on their website. The president of their of AHA basically tried saying that coconut oil is not good for you, and which was completely inaccurate. So thanks to the podcast, I've had on numerous doctors, scientists, biologists. So I reached out to three, four different people, including a sports nutritionist. And the next like three or four podcasts I published were all us ripping on the AHA for, for <laughs> doing a bad job talking about coconut oil. And th that one of those videos involving Dr. Jack Wolfson, who is a cardiologist, uh, he went ape about it. And that one video has gone viral. Like thousands of views have been on it. And I've been getting people been commenting like crazy. And that was published months ago. 
But it goes back to your point on the indexing. It takes time, but in time, if you're doing the content and you're putting it out there, you will outrank other people if you're doing it more than anybody else. Yeah. I, one of the things I really miss about YouTube is I liked it back when they would let us video comment. I loved that. I thought that was so cool, but they don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, man. You, I forgot about that. Yes. Why did they get rid of that? Probably soaks no up too idea. much bandwidth. I don't know. I've never had a good answer as to why they did away. That was so fun. I mean, I. Um, comment with a video on a video. Yeah, you know, uh, I've at least I remember doing that. It would give you the option down there, and you could uh, you could record the video on your computer, or you could record it using YouTube and just you know go directly to their thing. And and when I've seen all the all of this stuff that's going you know going out there about Facebook Live recently, I was wondering, you know, why didn't they bring that thing back? Because that was uh, you know very enjoyable, and I thought it really gave people a, a chance to connect in a way that you just don't connect on most social media platforms. No, I agree. Well, let's be, you know what? Facebook has gotten us closer because when you go to comment on somebody's post, you can either just comment, you can comment with a photo, you can comment with a GIF, you know, one of those little animated images. You know, I, have, yeah. I, I wonder if I had, if I videoed, I think if you actually do a pre-video, I think you can post with a video because if you already have the video recorded. Yes, you can because down there at the bottom, it will say add a, add a photo or video to your comment. Yeah. And but admittedly, I, think I don't think I've ever commented with a video yet. <laughs> well, that's what I do. I ask questions. You know, I throw stuff out there and people go, well, I've never thought about that that way before. And But, uh, but yeah, you just record a little 30 seconds and now you've got a video on somebody else's feed. And who knows, a year from, uh, you know, a few months from now, somebody could be doing a course where they tell people, hey, find somebody who has a lot of followers, a post that's getting a lot of traffic, and go post a comment with a, with a video added to it. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I, get, I get great results just by posting a GIF because people get entertained by a GIF, you know. Uh, there's people who still know what the hell a GIF is, but I mean, <laughs> hey, we're, okay. we're teaching so uh, much today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, I like, I'll tell you what I like doing. I like, I like leaving comments with emojis because uh, there are so many people who get those and their response is, uh, Max, when did you start doing emoticons? Or what I really love is when they go, hey, um, I thought you were blind. What are you doing posting po images as part of your, as part of your comment? You know, I'm like, you're getting outside your comfort zone, man. <laughs> yeah well it's it's part of it is it, it's mostly technology because when i'm on my laptop i uh don't have an easy way to add uh gifs or emoticons but i'm when, when i'm on my tablet or my iphone because um because the software and the apps on the ios devices is always way ahead of what's available on my laptop hmm. i can i can add you know the i can add the emoticons i'm not so good with gifs because they haven't labeled a lot of the gifts yet. That's true. I think for you, for example, you need to have a label assigned to each image, right? For, your, for yeah, the software yeah. to recognize it. Right, right. So, you know, and they've, and they've done that, but the thing is with the emoticons, those are regulated. There's a, there's a, some sort of organization somewhere that decides what emoticons there are and, and can't be. And, yeah. Uh, who, and, who invented uh, that? Right. Like all of a sudden there's a, there's a governing body over emoticons. I mean, really? Well, there, was a, there was a, there was a big stink last month because some guy in Massachusetts wanted a lobster or boiled lobster or something they didn't already have. And he had gone on a big online campaign to get them to add it. And there, apparently there's some group somewhere that controls 
the emoticons that can appear on our on our devices. And it's not government, but it is it is a strong, you know, kind of like the registrar companies. You know, they aren't government, but they might as well be kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, somebody got bored and decided to make give themselves power over the emoticon. Exactly, exactly. That's the way a lot of this happens. Somebody goes into a space that's empty, claims it, nobody says anything, and then the next thing you know, you're having to send them money, yep. so uh, or ask their permission or both. Um, but gifts aren't as easy for me because very few gifts are labeled. Emoticons are very easy because, like I said, they, they all start with the alternative tax label, alternative text labels, and. Uh, you know, the, the apps on my iPhone for Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff like that, much, much familiar than what's on my laptop. And of course, my laptop is several years old, and I'm actually finding that I'm not in a big hurry to replace it because I'm having, I'm getting more enjoyment using the same software on my uh, tablet and iPhone. Well, I think a lot of the companies tell you that you have to update every couple of years, but what's the difference here is this. If you're not overly taxing your system, you're not overly using the system's resources, why get a new computer? Like, you're fine. I mean, <laughs> mine's probably yeah. four years old now, and if you go back in once in a while, have somebody kind of clean the system up, it's back to performing normal. It's fine. So, Yeah, I think mine, if anything, could use a... Uh could use an extra uh, an extra slot worth of uh, RAM of, of RAM just to just to overcome some of its age because I noticed yes. that when I try to run multiple applications now that seems to be the only time I have a real problem. Also, yeah. when it's processing- RAM is crucial it just in general because uh, as things advance, right? There's there's faster processing images and video and everything else, and that's the that's real time access memory, so to speak. So that's what RAM is for, and you need that. So. Yeah. Where are you on the whole iPhone uh, dust up? Do you believe they're telling the truth that they that they uh, that they only slowed those devices down to save the batteries? Or do you think they were really trying to make buy new phones? Oh, I I call total bullshit on that. Yeah. They they just want you to buy more. (laughs) They just want you to buy more shit. So I'll come right out and say it because I still have my 6S. And uh, like, did you see the debacle? What was it? A couple months ago, maybe a month ago, two months ago, when the, when the big OS update came out, and like everybody's phones were having a heart attack because, like, I don't know, there's all kinds of glitches in the operating system update on the well, iPhone. See, I, I never. Well, see, I never have that problem because because ever since um, ever since what is the app? What is the Windows search engine? Internet, ever since Internet Explorer four, I'm one of these people who I keep telling it. that I decline the update until it tells me I either have to update or no longer use my device because I went like a month without being able to get online after internet, after the fourth, fourth or fifth version of internet Explorer, I had a computer, it would talk, but I couldn't go anywhere. So, and that's a pretty common experience actually with, with adaptive technology. When you're using a computer with speech, uh, generally the glitches that, 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 that are going to show up are going to show up before they get to say 10.1.2 or 10.1.3. You know, they're going to fix those, those things, but they're going to be a pain in the butt until they do. So I generally try to wait until the, until a couple of versions into a, a new. I'm the same version. Way. Yeah. I'm actually yeah, currently, it's... my iPhone is still on 10.3.3, which came out in July of 2017, I have ignored all of the 11 updates so far 
because those came out in January, actually literally a few days ago or a week ago. And I just see everybody's problems. So I purposely have not allowed the updates to come through. Yeah. Well, that's one of those decisions you have to make with your technology. And unfortunately, we have to. The, the, the one interesting thing going on right now in the area of screen readers is going back to the iPod 4 when Apple decided to start putting speech on all their devices from the, from the box up. Um, there really hasn't been a competitor. If you wanted to use a Windows computer, you had to go out and buy third-party software, either a program called JAWS or another one called NVDA, National, you know, North, Victor, uh, Dallas, Alpha, you know, just to yeah. try to make sure I'm saying the letters correctly. I don't know what it stands for. But, um, and the thing, the thing is, is an Apple computer will cost you about the same money as a Windows computer with with a third-party software installed, the difference is is that since you're you're running a third-party app to get your speech, if there's ever a problem, good luck finding somebody who's willing to say we created the problem, we'll help you fix the problem. Right. But in the last year or so, um, Windows is making progress with Katana, where they're now expanding her access to the Windows software, and Android is making progress with uh, with adding speech, uh, ex extending the Backtalk app and giving it more functionality on the Android phones, where you don't have to purchase third-party software there. Oh, hey, and real quick, and so, then we got Google. We got Alexa from Google coming along on the outside turn. You know, it's a race. It's a race to the end. So NVDA, I googled it. Uh, so that means non-visual desktop access. It's a free screen reader. Is that what you're talking about? Right. It's a, right. It's a free screen reader, but it's generally used by people who are in countries where, uh, you know, access to technology isn't as good and the mm. costs are much higher. Most people that are running a Windows computer are running JAWS, uh, which is pretty much been the standard for like 13 years now. And a lot of people wondered when Apple started started including speech on all their boxes if windows might do the same thing but um they've chosen to go the hard way i personally think they could have saved themselves a lot of aggravation if they had just went to jaws and said okay how many million do you want uh you're now part of the windows family and we want to start in embedding your code in our operating system that would have been the easy answer um but yeah, we have we have a lot more options thanks to Steve Jobs because he started down the road of, of offering speech access on every device. And what people are finding out is that once they have this speech access, once they're also able to dictate to their phones and talk to them and have them do stuff for them, then it started to get, well, everybody wants that. So now you have something, <laughs> uh, you know, once again, Jobs was proven right that, you know, at some point down the road, people will want this. And when they do, I'll be, I'll be out in front of everybody. But now uh, the, the place where Alexa has really made some big inroads, especially with people like me, is that so many of the new appliances are coming with Alexa enabled or Alexa's voice actually built into them. So you're getting speech right on washers and dryers. So are you, you know, using right Alexa now? No, I'm not using Alexa because my house doesn't have, doesn't have any new appliances. <laughs> well, we I mean, use it for TV. We, we my, use it for TV and the internet. That's about it. You know, we, yeah, my fiance's uh, parents got Alexa for, uh, I guess Christmas or whatever. And, they don't have any of the smart devices in the house per se, but they just have it set up to the Wi-Fi so they can ask it questions like, Hey, what's the weather? They're testing all that type yeah. of stuff. What's the ski yeah. reports, you know, things like that. 
I find Alexa to be more, much, much smarter than much, much smarter than Siri when I'm asking asking it for information. Yeah, I, I don't like Siri. I never, I've never used Siri. The few times I tried using it, it was so annoying. I was like, no, I'm never going to use Siri. So I've never used it. <laughs> uh, she's I, what I, what I find really, really just something about the Apple thing for the for the speech that makes no sense is okay. If I tell Siri to send a text, she's going to get f- half to 75% of what I said wrong. Right. Now, I know there are people who are better with, they've trained their series better than I have, so that they do much better. And now, I know. What about that, voice texting where you have the voice transcriber? Well, so that's what I was, right. So that's what I was just fixing to say. But if I click the dictate button and speak after I've pressed the dictate button, the dictate tech uh audio to text engine gets almost everything right yeah and it's weird that those are those are two parts of the same system and one of them works beautifully and the other one is total junk well it's (laughs) funny you mentioned this because in the past i'd say month i finally started taking advantage of that little i i the, the little microphone button in the texting app has always been there i just never used it because there's actually let's let's clarify to the listeners we're talking about like basic texting. Let's say we're talking about the iPhone. And when you go in to write a new message, uh, when you type on the window to start the message, a lot of people just start typing a text. But when your keyboard pops up on the screen of your smartphone, and I'll, I'll show this to the camera people here online if, if the camera actually grabs it, but probably not because it's lit up, it's not gonna grab it. So anyway, the there's a little microphone button. And if you hit it, it'll start listening and then start transcribing as, as Max has just told you. But then there's also another feature where you could just hold it down and actually record your voice and send an actual recording of your voice through to somebody too. But I will say, uh, Max, in the past month, I've started doing the whole dictation thing because if I'm driving down the road, I have a magnetic mount thing. So I, my, my phone is up on, on the dashboard when I drive for mapping. I use the you know Google Maps. So it's right. great. If I'm just really busy and I'm trying to multitask, but I want to be safe, I'm not going to text while I drive because number one, it's illegal in a lot of states, but I can just hit that little microphone thing and let the dictate get, like you just said, about 90% of the texting is pretty much spot on. Yeah. And most of the time you're texting people who know you. So the what few errors it's going to make, they're going to either know what you mean or they're you know just going to ignore it and go, well, that's just, that's just yeah. the nature of the device. And uh, by the way, um, in Texas, there is no state law uh, against texting while driving. Oh, that's, that's uh, there dangerous. Are, there are cities that have laws that prohibit texting while driving, but here's the, here's the thing that just shows you how, how let's just say how unusual our state's approach is, to, the, uh, approach is to, to regulations. It is now statewide against the law to, to eat or drink while driving. And I'm talking about <laughs> sodas. Okay. You can't wait, hit on. McDonald's. You can't hit McDonald's, but you can drive and text. Yes, I just said that. Uh, at least when you go to take a drink out of your drink, your head, you're 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 looking straight up. Most people don't even look at their drink. They just reach down, you know, without thinking about yeah. it, grab the cup, pick yeah. it up, and drink. So you're looking at the road. Texting is definitely taking your eyes off of the road. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would actually beg to differ. If, if they did some testing, they would find that it's more dangerous to text and drive than it is to eat or drink and drive. I, I agree with the point, though. Yes. You want to get people oh, I focused. Agree. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. But see, um, I live in a I live in a state where I, I would, well, I will just say this. Uh, 
Um, if once you ex once you remember that politicians don't have to act rationally, your life gets much simpler. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, uh, listen, I, 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 I want to make sure that we do dig into the book here a little bit because we, we right, this, this right. happens well, with I, us. This I, happens I, on the podcast all the time. We get all this good right. content. Help me out here. Help yeah. me out. Help me out here. I got a copy of the book here. Help me get it right side up so people can oh, get you, you have it right side up. Oh, no, no, just raise it a little oh, higher. Okay. Boom, there's the whole book. So there you go. The Blind All Bloggers right. NYC Adventures for our video watchers. And I actually have, so you can put that down. I'll let you not work so hard. I'm going to do a screen share. So we're going to switch your screen over to your website that All has right. a picture of the book. Because I like okay. my co-hosts. They don't have to work too hard. So there you go to our video watchers. We are showing straight from the blindblogger.net. There is the Blind Bloggers NYC Adventures. How you can make your dreams come true. So yeah, and let's dig you, in, Max. I'm really, I'm really proud of that picture too, because uh, actually I'm proud of all the pictures in the book because one of the, the things that I actually uh, had a problem with when I was getting ready to go to New York City is how am I going to document this trip? I mean, other than writing it down, am I going to get pictures or video? And if so, how? Yeah. And I, I asked, I reached out online. I asked a bunch of people for suggestions um, I played around with GoPro for a while. I played around with uh, trying to do um, user remote control or speech commands for, for my iPhone. And nothing really was working. So I just decided, well, maybe something will come to me. And when I got to New York City, the first, the first day I left the apartment, um, I went with a fellow who walked around with me. He was one of the other people renting from the same apartment. His name was Kurt. And he took pictures for me and I just would hand him my camera and he would take the picture and give it back to me. So the rest of the trip, I would just hand my camera to whoever I happened to be with. And uh, luckily it was one of the, it's one of those uh, Canon uh, DSLR cameras. It's, it's a very simple camera. It doesn't have internet on it. Uh, it can take video, but it's default is photos. And I came back with about 200 pictures after my editor, Lorraine Regulie of, of WordingWell.com, went through them with me. We ended up with 60 uh, really good photos from when I was leaving the house, uh, my trip through to New York, and the stuff I did while I was in New York, and then getting back home. So it it turned out, and it's you know it was it's just another example of if you are willing to ask people for help and you're open to unusual creative solutions, there's really no telling what can happen out there in the world. That's a great statement. Um, so when people hear that though, what do you want them to get out of what you just said? Like like deep, deep down, since you've gone on this journey, man, like you were able, not just went on the journey, you actually had the balls to write a book about it. Let's be real. <laughs> I mean, I say it that way. The, writing, the book is, writing the book is the easy part. Um, See, you say that. And, and going on, <laughs> and going on, and go, I'll tell you what, you know what, the, okay, if, let's just get to the question you're trying to ask. What was the, Somebody just joined our, our meeting here. So no, I, I just switched. I just switched back um, to. Uh, I just switched the screen oh, okay. share off. So right. we're back on you. Right, right. So, okay, that's one of the things. One of these days, I'm gonna learn to just turn the speech off, and then I don't have to worry about what it's saying. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah, we keep I think it real. I just we crossed keep it my real. own brain up there for a second. Uh, no, but what you're trying to get at is of this adventure, what was hard, and to me, uh, the really hard part was the people who uh, whose voices were trying to get in my head. There, there were many people who thought that I shouldn't go or that I shouldn't go if I, unless I took somebody with me 
and a few who even said, I can't go. And some who asked my family, you mean you're actually going to let him go? Um, my brother, who's a, who's a really nice guy, he's always supported me, but uh, my brother Michael lives in Florida. He said, Max, if I were you, I would just, I would take the credit for winning and I would sell the tickets. You know, uh, there were a lot of people who were saying, and of course it didn't help any that at that same time, we have the end of the presidential election. We have Trump, who's a, a New Yorker. We have a lot of, of unrest and protests in the, in the city up there. So all that did was confirm the fears of a lot of the people that, uh, that I was, was, uh, had around me at the time. And basically what I did was I did my daily exercise. I read good books. I wrote my blog posts. And I, I pretty much stayed away from anybody online who uh, was trying to tell me that I shouldn't go, couldn't go, or that something bad would happen to me if I did to at one point i actually posted on facebook i said look the next person who says you gives me any crap about going to new york by myself i'm just going to throw this i'm going to throw something i said and the thing is is when a blind guy throws something he usually ends up on his knees crawling around on the floor trying to find the pieces <laughs> so well, uh, I, I, you know this ties well back to your your first episode on our show on episode 95 where we talked a little bit about the there's the inner voice and the outer voice. And that's one of the reasons, another reasons why deep down my selfish reasons for wanting to bring you back on was I thought you, you and I connected really well on this because it doesn't matter if you're blind or not, or you're deaf or you're not, or you have zero impairment. People out there are allowing impairment to impact their lives socially or through family or just through the power, as you hinted, people either texting, writing, or just their voice trying to hold you back. And I think that's part of the power of your story is like, you know what? Screw you. This is my life. Uh, I'm going to freaking New York City. Hey, you know what? While I'm at it, why don't I write a book about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, this this book is uh, it's the most involved of the three books that I've written. It, uh, it took the most as far as time to write and edit and finally get it out there in the world. And I'm, you know, it's, it's if we go back to when I competed for the Amtrak competition that, that uh, took me to New York city in the first place, this book is over a year and a half in the making. And yeah. that's a long time to, to have a project rolling around in your brain and working on it. And uh, you know, thinking and planning and scheming, trying to get it out there in the world. So it's, uh, it's, if anything, the time that it's taken to finish it has bothered me a little, but as far as being hard, the real hard part was like you say, when you've got people inside and outside your family who are trying to tell you that you shouldn't or that you can't. And that's when you have to really reach out to people who are also just as crazy as you are and who have done things or who are in the process of doing things and say, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you or could you please reassure me? You know? So, and I'm, I'm really lucky that, that I know lots of, I know lots of great bloggers and podcasters, you know, like yourself, like Joe, um, you know, like, uh, like my friend Carrie up in, up in Canada who, who went to Mexico, even, even though she's one, she went to Mexico by herself. She was one of those people saying, Max go, you know, and 
it's it's really important. And I tell people all the time, if you don't have at least one person in your life, either online or in person, who you know without any doubt will support your ass and say, yeah, go for it, then you need to go out there and find that one person. And if you need somebody to start with, you can find me over at theblindblogger.net. You know? and, I, and I think that's yeah. part of the important message here, right? Is that the beauty is you are, as we hinted earlier, you are an influencer to the blind community. Okay. You've, you've done, unfortunately you've done more than other people have, right? There's other people that are still allowing those, those external voices to hold them back from living their lives. And I think you've set a powerful example here saying, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to put myself into pair areas that might be a little fearful, might be a little bit scary, but those are the moments that actually change you for the better and help you grow as a person, whether you're blind or not. And I think that's part of the story to hear that I'm hoping it comes out of the book. It does. It does. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons, one of the, one of the, one of the things it took to finally, to finally get me to start, to start, to start sharing a lot of this stuff <laughs> Was people had to, people, I used to tell people, hey, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy who shows up, works his butt off, is trying to support his family. That's what I told people. That's what I believe. Right. I had to be convinced, no, Max, you're lying to yourself because, and here's why, you're lying to yourself because there are so many people out there in the world who have absolutely no excuse not to do something big with their lives, and they're staying at home doing nothing. You have an excuse you could sit on your couch, watch TV, and eat Cheetos. Nobody'd say a darn thing to you about it. They'd be okay with that, but you aren't okay with that. And it's a really good message that you teach people by example, if not if not directly one to one. So, part of this book, right? Part of everything you and I are talking about. This is another question I wanted to get out there. And normally, I'm not. I, these, these aren't even like pre because everybody knows with this show, I don't script anything. I don't have like pre-designed Q&A, but as you and I talk, it just brings things out of me. So when you hit New York City, and I'm, I'm guessing this might be in some of the book, but uh, maybe you don't mind sharing a little bit of it. It's like, what was like, what do you think was like one of the scariest things, right? Besides obviously getting on a train and traveling around the country. <laughs> but okay, now you're in New York City and, you've, and you went through the struggles of trying to figure out if you're going to do photography and video. Like that was great. But like, is there was there like a top like, most fearful yeah. thing that happened there? Yeah. Uh, first day I get off the, I get off the train. I get in the, uh, the red cap gets me a cab. He goes, the red cap actually goes and talks to the cab drivers till he finds one. He, feel, he feels like uh, he can, he can trust, which was, was not a comforting experience. Now, you know, when you think about that, he's, he's like, he was actually, you know, talking to the cab just to find, to, before he to figure out which cab to put me in. I go to where I'm supposed to meet my the, the the person who owns the apartment that I'm going to be staying in because I used Airbnb to 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 uh, to find a place to stay while I was in New York. Okay. Um, I'm waiting on them in this coffee shop. Um, the guy sends his girlfriend to pick me up. She's walking me to the apartment. My shoes slide off the curb. I land flat on my face in the middle of a street in Brooklyn. Wow. I've got. Yeah, I've got, I, I sprained my right ankle. I uh, scraped up uh, one knee, bruised the other knee, had scratches on my wrists. So I'm pretty much limping to the apartment and I'm thinking, man, I took all this crap to get here. And the first day I'm here, I'm falling my face. And so what if, 
you know, what if this is a serious injury? And basically my experience with New York City is, you know, hanging out in the room and, and, and talking with the other people who share the apartment. But uh, I took some Advil or leave uh, several times during the night. I woke up the next morning. It wasn't as bad as it, as it could have been. I stayed in the apartment that next day, which I think was uh, Sunday, and also nursed my foot again and just took it easy. And the next day, I felt really good. But I tell you, there was a couple of days there where I was like, man, this is really going to suck if I spend two weeks in New York and don't get to don't get to do anything, you know, don't get to go out there in the city. So uh, but, you know, I did um, a couple of days after I got to New York, uh, my like I say, the, the other, one of the other guys at the apartment, we went down to Times Square. We walked around the city and took a bunch of pictures in front of, you know, the famous places and went in a couple of them. And, uh, you know, later, later on in the trip, I would end up going, going skating at Rockefeller center, which I'm still not exactly sure what I was thinking there because it was only, <laughs> it was only a few days after spreading my ankle and I'm putting on ice skates, but dude, you're living in the moment, man. Why hold yourself it, back? It was one of the things on my list. You know, it was one of the things on my list and, the, the really funny thing about that is that I had almost talked myself out of it. I was walking past the entrance to the stairs where you walk down to the rink at Rockefeller Center. And uh, I was thinking about just I was going to hit one of the stores nearby. Uh, they have a big Lego store there with a lot of displays. And I have a nephew who's really geeked on Lego. So I was going to I was going to visit there and get some pictures. But as I'm walking by the 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 downstairs, the guard says, uh, hello there. What are you doing? Where are you going? And I started talking to him. The next thing I know, he's leading me down the steps. And the first guy we come to says, I don't think they're going to let him skate. And the guy that's with me says, I think they will. And we had to pass two more gatekeepers and finally talk to the assistant manager. And at first she said, no, you'll have to make us, you'll have to make an appointment and, and take a lesson. And then what? before she even, yeah, before she, well, because it was very crowded during the holidays, oh. but before she even gets from, from one side of, uh, one side of like your kitchen to the other, she turns around and says, are you ready to skate now? I said, well, if y'all are ready, I'm ready. And it took quite a while to get the skates on and get me actually out on the ice. But you know, it was one of those things I had almost talked myself out of doing it, but I was in that I was in that uh, space at the at the head of those stairs, and the guy asked me what I w- what I was there for, and I decided, what the hell, yeah, I'll tell him what I'm here for because it was one of the things on my list, and uh, I only made it once around the rink, but I did make it once, and I'm very proud of my once, and I'm also very proud of the fact that when I did fall on my ass, I got back up. Okay. So. But yeah, falling, falling the first day in New York City and having that moment where you go, you know, what is going to be the result of this big adventure? And, you know, trying to decide if, okay, can I live up to my message? Can I, can I do what I tell people to do? Can I find things to do? Can I find ways to enjoy myself, to have experiences and be happy, even if I don't get to cross everything off my list? And for a short time, I wasn't sure, but I, I personally believe that if my ankle had swelled up like a watermelon, <laughs> I would have probably put my ass in a cab or something and still went to Broadway or Madison Square Garden or something. I would have still found uh, opportunities to have experiences because 
that's the way I've always done it. You know, I've, I'm really big on, on enjoying whatever is happening, no matter how, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem to other people. I, I have gotten a lot of pleasure out of, uh, well, for example, when, when I was in Philadelphia with you and Joe, Joe took, took me to a restaurant. I had, uh, some sort of a sandwich. It was the first time I ever had sweet peppers on a sandwich. Was that, me, our, that was, was that thing. our group lunch together or was that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was our group lunch. Yeah. yeah. Our group. group I didn't know that was your first before. time doing that. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever had sweet peppers on anything. And I was like, man, this is good. You know? So, uh, and there's, there are always, you know, always, you know, little things like that that happen every day that if you, if you're in the moment, if you, if you, you know, aren't trying to do 12 things at the same time, you know, you can find those and you can enjoy them and you can have an experience, even if it wasn't the experience you were planning on. But luckily for me, my ankle healed up. I got to have a, a great time in New York City. I was treated really well by New Yorkers to the point that I could see living there. And I can actually tell people that, in my opinion, for the most part, New Yorkers were, were friendlier than most Texans I know. <laughs> I'm going to take hell. If the, if the Chamber of Commerce ever hears this, I'm going to be in trouble. Well, uh, but, you know, you, you're only, being truthful. I can, tell, I can only tell people what I feel. And of course, you know, some of it is being the blind guy from Texas in New York during the holidays, because, you know, uh, for better or worse, New York, is, New York does behave a little better during the times of the year they expect tourists. Okay. Uh, at least that's, you know, but, but, you know, some of those people went really went out of their way for me. I mean, in a space of 10 days, I had a cab driver try to give me his umbrella until I explained to him that uh, that cane plus umbrella was a bad combination. <laughs> uh, I had a cab driver not charge me for a fare when my card wouldn't work. Oh wow! Uh, I had a, I had a man who I met at, over breakfast, two tables from from him in the restaurant, and the next thing I know, he's buying my breakfast. I just wish I had ordered more. <laughs> uh, and, and when we couldn't figure out how to get a cab or Uber to Rockefeller Center, two blokes with some of the most thick, some of the thickest British accents you're ever going to hear, walked me over to a pedal taxi, which is kind of like a battery powered rickshaw, uh, throwed some money down and told him to take me to Broadway. Which, wow. you, know, you know, that sort of stuff, it happened. And it was, you know, it's really incredible that stuff like that happened. Um, and, and, but I think that it happens more often than people like to believe because generally the stories about people be, mistreating you are told more often and more loudly than the stories about when people were good to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's very easy for a lot of people to focus on the negative and sure. not realize the positive things that are just naturally happening around them, but they just tune, they, unfortunately they're tuning a lot of that out. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, would you feel that it's taken you a few years to get to that point where you can say, Hey man, I'm going to focus on living in the moment. Cause it sounds like you've, I mean, again, we talked about this on episode 95 too, but you know, you've definitely been verbally, uh, restricted, let's say, right. As you progress <laughs> through life until you finally just start saying, you know what, screw you. I'm going to do it my way, but uh, it takes time, right? Yeah, it does take time. It does take time. Now, when it comes to being in the moment, as far as focusing on, on where you're at and what you're doing, that's one of those things where I feel like I have an advantage because especially when I'm, when I'm traveling, I have no choice but to really focus in on where I'm at and what I'm doing and who's who and what is around me. And 
Um, and I find that that's one of those things that, uh, that taking it over into other things, like when you're having to give a speech or when you're recording a video, when you're, you know, if you can really focus in on what you're doing and be on, on mission, as some people call it, it makes it a whole lot easier to not only avoid the distractions, but avoid the fear that comes with doing things that you're not familiar with or unusual to you. But as far as saying these things, yeah, it's a relatively new occurrence that I will say them. I, I still don't say them with the vehemence that other people do. I've still got a lot of my, my dad's training in me when it comes to how you talk to other people and the, the language you use. I've probably used more cuss words talking to you in the last hour or so than I generally use in the course of a whole day because I, well, admittedly, been, that was mostly me, trained. not you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've just been trained over the years that, you know, a gentleman chooses words more carefully. So yes. a lot of times I censor myself and I actually appreciate you giving me the permission to just, you know, just, just to say whatever it is I'm, I'm wanting to say, because I do censor myself. It is something I'm bad at. It's not good for me. And it's really not good for people around me that I, sometimes hold things back while I'm trying to figure out what the right word is. Well, you know what it is? And and here's the deal. Okay, let me let me at least talk. I'm glad you're talking about this. When it comes to profanity, and I, I agree. I, actually, I liked that little tagline you just said there about, you know, gentlemen choose their words. I completely agree with that. But also, there's also the flip side of that coin that I've learned thanks to launching this show, which is I don't want to restrict people. If all of a sudden we end up talking about a topic that's very passionate to you, the co-host, or even myself, dude, just let it flow, man. Like sometimes holding <laughs> yourself back to be a gentleman, right? Like we're all gentlemen. Let's be, I still open a door for, for my fiance all as much as I possibly can. And, and when we first started dating she was just like, wow, guys just don't do that anymore, which is sad. I'm like, really guys. Okay. Actually real quick. Let me pause on that. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you're a gentleman out there or a young lady who wants to open a door from somebody else, whether you're a male, female, or any sexual persuasion, I don't care, open the freaking door. Like, this is basic common sense to mankind. So I don't want to get on a, on a soapbox, but, oh, that annoys me when I see people just walking by and they don't look at that. They don't see, like, earlier today, I stopped for lunch, Max, and... Uh, and that, actually, no, it wasn't lunch. It was, I stopped at a Starbucks, and I was in and out, and I almost didn't notice out of the corner of my eye, my peripheral vision uh, uh, to, to our listeners, that there was a, a, a nice elderly couple. Again, they were moving slow. I mean, really slow. To the point where literally I had time to go put the coffee in my car, come back to the door, and I opened it for them. And she's like, oh, well, thank you. And she kept trying to take the door from me and open it for me. And I'm like, no, 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 I got it. Don't worry about it. And, and then her husband thanked me as well. They were probably in their 80s. And that's just respecting anybody, how I look at it, your elderly, your, 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 your prior generations. Like, but they were so happy with that because they were not a fast-moving couple. But I'm like, I could take an extra 30 seconds to pause and hold a door for somebody. I don't know. I mean, what's your yeah, vote on well, something like that? Well, my, my vote on that is that there, are, there is a, a drastic lack of, of good manners and common courtesy to the point that anybody who still thinks about stuff like that becomes a hero because there's it's done so rarely. You but know, that, isn't that sad? Remember, it is very sad. Like, wait a minute, you're a hero because sad. you opened a door. <laughs> yeah, but you know I'm right. I know, you know it's, it's just so sad. I say, yeah, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know that in my in my in my other business, which 
is a hard business. I help people sell amusement equipment and carnival yep. rides. Okay. Um, I can't tell you how often I just get this totally surprised and appreciative reaction out of people. When I answer my phone to somebody I don't know they're going to call, I go out of my way to try to answer their question, try to refer them to somebody if I don't know what the what it is they're asking about or if I don't have what it is they're looking for. And every time I do that, they react as if, Hey, I finally called somebody who isn't a who isn't a big giant douche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because uh, it's because, easier just to so say people, you can move on to the next person, right? But you yeah. also know in your industry and in your profession on amusement park equipment that that's a very niche niche business, and there's probably a, not a lot of people out there doing what you do. But you can at least be the guy that okay, maybe you don't have that piece of equipment, but you at least took the extra time to help somebody and they're gonna remember that about you and they're gonna talk about you and your brand and you can't beat the power of word of mouth because of that small little extra step you took. Yeah, but it's a, it's another example of how rare things like that are because there are other people who do what, who do what I do as far as the equipment end goes. Uh, but I guarantee you most of them, if they don't smell a check pretty quickly, they are going to hang up. You know, I, uh, I've, I just, I think it comes back to how you treat people and what your, what your role models are as far as treating people. And, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up on a big midway. I didn't grow up around people who had hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of equipment. I, I grew up on, on a small show where we had eight rides where everybody worked or, or, the, or they didn't eat, you know? So, uh, I, I believe that I, that, you know, my examples, you know, especially my dad, my mom, my grandmother, you know, these people who teach you how it is you're supposed to treat everybody, forget whether or not they can do anything that helps you has, you know, has followed me into, into my business life. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is I find that a lot of these people, if you actually listen to them for a few minutes, you will have some, some great conversations and experiences and you'll, uh, you know, you'll hear stories and you'll go like, eh, if I try to tell that to somebody, they will ask me what I've been drinking, you know? Well, you know, uh, that's, that's the power of respecting your prior generations as well, is that a lot of us are just go, go, go. And we're not, we, we can't just pause, take a deep breath, switch your smartphone on the silent. <laughs> and if you happen to be talking, let's say a grandparent or your friend's grandparent, like why don't you say, Hey, do you have a, a unique story to share? You know, because these stories will eventually be lost. And the reason why I'm speaking about this, as you and I are recording this, Max, and this isn't like a pity party thing, but like, so we, we put my grandmother to rest uh, over the weekend. So uh, it's the only grandparent I ever knew. And she we weren't very close. I think we could have been closer, but she was just that kind of woman. I don't know. She was 80, 88 years old. And I don't know, as she got older, she just... She does not like people, uh, but well, <laughs> the point I'm making though is, could I have made more of an effort to try and get her to sit down and get together to me more, so I could get more stories out of her? I don't know. Yeah. But that's something that I want to yeah. kind of just go ahead and toss into this episode is that, you know, I didn't know my father's father. He left when he was young and started a whole other family in Florida. Um, I've never talked about this in the podcast, by the way. I didn't know my uh, my mother's parents. They both passed away uh, before I was old enough to ever even know them. One um, passed away, I, might, I think it was, might have been cancer. And then uh, the, uh, the other passed away uh, due to suicide because he couldn't deal with living without her. Uh, crazy, crazy like history that I never knew. But if I don't take the time to ask my parents what happened to their parents, right? And listen to these stories and understand what they did. And like, I learned that 
and you may respect this from an impairment perspective, that my mother's father, uh, he went through a lot in a factory that he worked in because he started losing his hearing due to you know that manufacturing industry, and he just was prone to apparently lose his uh, hearing faster than most people. And so he ended up becoming mostly deaf. And his coworkers used to make fun of him, screw with him, like, you know, take his lunch away, stuff like that. And this is a grown man. And like this guy got to go through this stuff. I got to hear the stories from my mother. Like, so these are those stories, right, that we need to pause yeah. and hear. And I just want to bring that out on this show yeah. with you today because I wanted to kind of bring that back to full circle. I don't have any blindness in the family, but at least I had a, a really unique, rare history of, yeah. of acquired deafness that you know possibly led to my grandfather that I never got to know passing away, right? So it's like, wow, man, yeah. like what if people respected where he came from and would actually pause and let him tell a story? Yeah. Well, one of the things that happened to me after I was after I was was at uh, DreamCon with you and Joe is I had a an event in North Carolina fall through, and I decided, okay, I've got time to kill before I have to be back in Houston. So I decided to spend some time visiting my brother and his family in Florida, and then some time visiting my aunt Paula uh, Ivy and and her, the other Ivies in South Carolina because hmm. the Ivy side of the family. There's an old joke that none of them have ever left Union County and, and not come back. So, <laughs> um, my, I have an uncle who ha, who has managed to live in Florida, but only but he still owns a house in Union. And my dad was buried in the uh, the Veterans Memorial Cemetery here in Houston. So I guess technically he never made it back to Union. But hmm. um, but I got to but but the thing is I had a, I got to meet um, my aunt Frances who is 81 years old. Um, five generations of her family are alive and I got to spend time talking to her and to, uh, to her grandkid and great grandkid. And, um, she actually bought one of my books, which was really cool to be selling to be, you know, 50 selling one of my books to, you know, somebody at that generation. Also the fact that she could still read it without having to get it in large print or a magnifier yeah. was really cool. Um, also it wasn't planned but my uncle was moving into a newer house in, uh, in union or Jonesville while I was there. So the Saturday night before I left, there was, let's see, Vernon and Pam, Terry and Betty Sue, Paul and Mark, their kids, uh, Jay Ivy, his, his, his wife, I think, um, Terry. So there was like, 10, 12 people that I hadn't seen in 20 or 30 years. And, uh, there was, there was some beer drank. There was some guitars played. There was some music sang, And, uh, I did, I did my own bit of singing too, but, uh, you know, it was one of those really almost surreal events that you just don't see happen much anymore, even in a big family. But, you know, here they were out on the back porch, uh, NASCAR on the radio, uh, and it was a really great evening. I got to, to talk to these people and spend a lot of time with them. And it's just one of those things I will, uh, will, will treasure always. And I think, you know, if, if the school for the blind in North Carolina hadn't decided that there, that it was a, was, a, was bad timing for me to go there and, and give the talk we were planning on me giving, I wouldn't have had that experience. You know, everything so, happens for a reason. It sure does. It sure does. And a lot of times it's hard for us to accept or figure out what that reason is at the time. 
And then sometimes we have to do something that I'm really bad at. Sometimes we just have to accept. And you were there at the end of DreamCon when I asked y'all if I could sing. And I stood in front of the marquee and uh, sang part of the river. And um, Matt, uh, let's see, what was his name? Uh, was it Manny? Was uh, uh, There was two... I don't remember. I don't remember. I'll have have to look at my blog post. Um, But two of the other people had to hold me up because I was was seriously affected by by that particular moment. And I for several weeks after that, I kept asking people what happened? What was different? Why did this affect me? Because I sang that song 50, 60 times. Yeah, but even during. But that one day, you know. And Dude, that one finally, day when you were there, you got out of your comfort zone. You were speaking, public speaking, and it wasn't yeah. just a public speaking. You inspired other people in the in the audience, one of which who literally approached you about uh, coaching, remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember Azuka. Me and him still talk, and uh, he actually uh, he actually rescued some of my books from the book table, and he's, he's, he has sold them for me. He's, so... <laughs> You know, but that's, um, but yeah, that was cool. Um, I tell you, that was that, and, and, um, about the closest I've come to an explanation, but I've stopped looking for one is, uh, my friend Adrian Smith told me, she says, you know, Max, that's probably the first time you've been in front of that many people who are that accomplished at what they do and had them tell you how awesome you are. Yeah. And, and I, I said, you know, that's about as good as an explanation as I can think of, but and, and you I, never know I when that emotion will hit you right? This is true. Things manifest at a different time. You just weren't ready for it. (laughs) I mean, all I know is, all I know is I would, is, is I have days where I would love to feel that experience again. I have days where I hope it never happens again. (laughs) It was very, it was very scary. You know, I don't get scared by a lot of things. You know, I actually take grief over the fact that I don't appear. And I really, most of the time, don't get all that scared, mostly because I'm, I'm too focused on usually what I'm doing at the moment to really yeah. let the fear in. But that, that experience was scary. That was, well, and it needs to be because those are those life changing experiences. Like we actually need to embrace that fear. Um, I, I learned that from firefighting. Like I joke around now how like people are like, are you afraid of a lot of stuff since firefighting? I'm like, no, thanks to firefighting. I'm not. But one thing I did learn from firefighting was that, you still have to welcome that fear in because that's your wake up call. Like you can't go in like you think you're bulletproof. You still have to have the fear. The difference is, is how you let the fear affect you and how you allow it to manifest through you. The difference is I'm aware of the fears. I have fears just like every other human being. The difference is I'm accepting them and I'm moving past them. I'm not allowing them to slow me down. And if you don't allow those fears to be recognized, that's how you get yourself injured or possibly killed too. And that was something that we called situational awareness, um, which was we had to keep our SA up all the time, right? When we were out in firefighting, because like that's how you keep yourself safe and the other men and women around you safe. So it's just an interesting lesson that I'm kind of trying to tie full circle for you because like, hey man, we bo- you not, you're saying the same thing right now, but in a different way, right? Like, yeah, dude, I'm not that afraid but that doesn't mean you don't feel fear. And I think that's yeah. important to clarify for our listeners. Right. Right. I, and I think a lot of times I feel it, but I just, I, I just don't have space in my head to accept it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, like, for example, when I was at DreamCon, my only thought before I got to the microphone was just let me get there without tripping on this road. <laughs> 
I'm like, just put one foot in front of the other, stay behind Joe, make sure that it, that if he tells me that I'm going to step off of or onto something that I'm actually paying attention. But so at that time, I'm more worried about physical safety than I am about, about giving the talk. So that, yeah. but, but yeah, there, there are things that scare me. I just don't think that, I think I've gotten just, I've had so much experience of picking the one thing and focusing on what, what I'm doing or where I'm going. And that gives me a little help to keep the fear from overwhelming me or from being something I'm thinking about when I'm sitting here talking to you or on a stage or anything like that. Well, and you know what, on that thought, because as you were saying that, there's one thing that's in my head that I want to make sure I shared before we brought the show to the close. I'm going to do a screen share again. So pardon your, okay. your screen, right. your screen I'm technology. Ready. I'm ready this time. All I'm right. ready this time. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm taking you to blindblogger.net. I mean, you know, I click, I already clicked on the books and obviously you see his earlier book leading you out of the darkness into the light. But if you scroll down, you'll hit obviously the new, the blind bloggers, NYC adventures. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I want our listeners to know, like I'm a take action kind of guy. So let me switch tabs here. There's another tab that I have open because I just learned about this. Thanks to your site, by the way, uh, Max, and I wanted you to talk to the, to that in a second being an okay. author but I was not aware of cells.com S E L Z because I'm going to share again. I know you can't see this, but I'm currently sharing a, a confirmation that I've already bought your book on Amazon <laughs> and it, it arrives uh, this weekend. So Woo, shout, right. shout out to our listeners, like take action. That's the point of me sharing this now is I want you guys to take action and learn something from this man. Um, so I, I, I'm already adding it to my library and because I, when I buy books or I listen to books or I bring authors on the show, I'm actually building out a new feature on my website, Max, that you'll be added into, which is my, my library. I have a resources section that I built into the website. So as I bring on new authors and I acquire books, I consume the books, I'm building out a whole I guess, portfolio, a virtual portfolio of my library on there because some books are available on Audible, some are not. So um, I want to make sure if I talk about a book or I bring an author on the show that people can easily find that content. So I'll be, so I'll be adding you well, to that as you. well. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, I, I, uh, I am pretty sure that one way or the other, I'm going to find my way in Philadelphia before the year's over. And when I do, I will definitely, I will definitely sign your sign a copy of the book for you. Game on. Now, now, real quick to our listeners, I'm going back to sales here. If you go to his, uh, you can click through from uh, his site or just go to Maxwell Ivy dot cells selz.com i'll have this linked in the show notes as well because all of his books are available on there in different forms and fashion because specifically if you are one of these types of listeners or watchers on youtube for this video that geek out on having signed copies from the authors you can actually order a signed copy of this book from him uh plus does that include like photography and stuff too? Cause that's like a, that's a higher level package, like 50 bucks versus like the 20, 30 or $10 yeah, options. Yeah. Well, see, that's, well, see, that's the thing. This particular book has 60 photos in it. The photos are black and white. So when they purchase the signed copy, that does include the photos, but it also includes a, uh, a, a copy of the ebook because I want ah. people to see just how, just how beautiful and vibrant and amazing those photos are in their original condition. Because if, if I had put color photos in this book, 
Right. It would have had to be somewhere between sixty and a hundred dollars based on what Amazon. So told is that me. what the nine ninety nine option is on sales? That's the ebook version. No, it's like that's a PDF. The e-book version, right. Ah. That's the PDF with all the color photos included. Okay. Uh, but I tell you, if if when we're through here, I'll help you sort that out. I'm I I may you're the second person who's asked that question, so I I'm I may need to Well the in, the only reason text. why I mentioned that is I, I noticed that if I click on the nine ninety nine option and if you read through they do clarify at the very, very end of all your paragraphs here. It says, you'll get one PDF. I feel like they should take that little line item and actually put it at the very, very beginning of the content so they know what they're getting because it doesn't say if it's a ebook or not. So, and then I noticed, so here's the other thing, because and the reason why I'm going to have you talk to the sales piece. So on Amazon, you have your book listed, right? I can get a Kindle version or I can get the, the, the $30 option that I bought, the $29.99. So right, I get the physical right. book. Uh, but right. I noticed that the $29.99 option is not available on the sales. So okay. uh, Here's what, what, I what if somebody okay. doesn't want a signed copy, but they want to support you through sales? Because what I'm hinting at here is that you as an author do better if people buy stuff through sales versus Amazon, right? You know, you're a genius. You're a stone cold <laughs> genius. And I don't know why I never thought about that before. I could do the same thing that I do with the autograph copies. I could just say that if you purchase it here, I will send it uh, directly to you. And I still make I still make more money off of it than if I let them buy it through Amazon. I, you're, yeah. you're genius. I'm well, the problem to- is I, I already beat you to the punch accidentally <laughs> and bought it on Amazon. But and then I'm like, crap, I didn't even know about sales. So I think that's important to bring up on this show because I've had other authors on and I'm like, dude, now that I know about sales, I'd rather buy it through sales and make sure that my, my, my co-hosts are making the proper amount of money because Amazon does like to get their little cut. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's the, okay. Here's the difference. Depending on where you price your book. And of course this is for self-published authors because people who come into Amazon from traditional publishers, they have, they have a whole different set of rules, but for self-publishers, depending on how, how many pages your book is and where you're pricing it, Amazon is going to keep between 30 and 70% of the gross. I now, saw that my on, your, on not, your blog. Yeah, I saw I have, that. Yeah, right, right. It's on there. Um, but you asked me to talk about it, oh, so yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah. about it. Um, yeah, so um, now my books, haven't. none of them are over the price limit, so they charge me 30% of all sales. Now, by listing them on sales, S-E-L-Z, um, even after I pay PayPal, I'm keeping 92% of the gross as opposed to 70% of the gross. Nice. So that's, if you take 22 out of 70, that's uh, that's at least 25, if not close to a 30% increase in my profit margin by using and, sales. And as a hustling online entrepreneur, yeah, we need to be promoting sales a little bit more, man. I like this. Because, I mean, how many other authors use sales? Is this a big platform? I don't know. I, it's becoming a bigger platform, um, but it's not just authors. It's also music downloads. People are starting to sell uh, um, physical merchandise through it as well. Um, the only... the only downside to it, and I, and they fixed one of the two. Uh, one is they don't offer an affiliate hmm. option, and two, that well, what I mean is is they don't offer affiliate sales. You can't make money telling people to go use sales. Oh, uh, uh, so they yeah, do so- now, but they do now offer an affiliate option where I can make people uh, affiliates for my book if I choose to do that. They oh, there you to- go. So. So if you think about it, they're in a similar space as Gumroad, 
But for me as a blind computer user, I find them much friendlier to my screen reader than Gumroad. Okay. Uh, however, I have a Gumroad account, and if somebody wants to be an affiliate for my books or for... And what is it called? Uh, Gumroad? Yeah, G-U-M-R-O-A-D. Okay. So if somebody's over there and they want to become an affiliate for my books, I'm more than happy to, to do that. I just don't like using their site if I don't have to. It's uh, it's much more complicated with speech. And half the time I end up having to have somebody else do it for me, which I just, I hate, I'm, uh, I hate having to do that. But yeah, it's a, uh, I find it a, um, a really, I found it a few years ago. And the reason I first started using it was because I had recorded some, I had recorded some audio files um, and I wanted to find a place where I could have people download them without me having to get in the middle of it. And somebody pointed me to sales and, you know, I looked into them. Well, and basically, I, I okay. Them. So I went to sales.com. So sales yeah. is, a, is an online platform for anybody who wants to open up their own kind of mini online store. I thought sales was just a, like a place for authors, but on their website, you got people building their own online sales pages for furniture, knickknacks, anything. Okay. Well, well I can't I help it. it if us authors were there first. I hey. mean, um, but in the, in the beginning it was, it was authors and musicians. That okay. was, that was who was on there when I first started using it. Um, three, four years ago or more. So yeah, a, and now it basically looks like an easy way to basically create your own online store page and there's you could do anything, basically. It looks like, like a mini website builder. Yeah, sell sell, sell, web, sell, sell directly from your websites or your blogs. Huh, cool. Yeah, but like I said, my, my main, I, I was never really intended to use them for the book, but when I found out how much money Amazon keeps, then I, I had to do it. And here's, a, here's one that's even better for you. And I need, I need to, now that I'm past the finishing of the, of the editing and the publishing of the book and I'm into the promotion, I need to do this. Um, do you know about Audible as far as the, the fees on Audible? I don't know about the fees, but I crush so much content on Audible that I, I tell people, I tell authors all the time, if you want me to consume your book, like actually read it, put it on Audible because I won't be reading it. Right. I will listen to it because I travel so much. And the out, right. I love the Audible app because I could speed it up and I can listen to it like 1.5 to two two times normal speed and I can get through content faster. Like that's how geeked out I am. Right. All right. Well, here's the problem with Audible for authors, okay. for self-published authors at least. Okay. First, um, they set the price for your if, for your audiobook. Of course, because they're owned by Amazon. Right. So they now what I mean is on Amazon, I get to pick the price I want my book to sell for. Oh. But on Audible, they literally set the price based on the length, the genre, and whether you read it or whether you have somebody read it for you. Wait and a minute. So, example, like, if I if I ever get around to writing my book, uh, I have to do Audible because I love Audible, and it's going to be me. I don't want somebody else doing the voiceover. Yeah, I want because yeah. uh, well, I get more money than I did. But oh, but on okay. my, on my book, since I since I had somebody read my book for me because I couldn't figure out a, a, a real a real effective way for me to read it. Um. My book is the first book, Cleaning You Out of the Darkness into the Light, right. a Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. It's about 85 pages. It turned out to be about four hours in audio. And the price on that book is $6.95. Is because it's short? Well, that's they they go off the length. That's one of the things they go by. Uh, but that's not the worst that's not the wait, worst but of what it. Okay? If, but what if you're just that's talking a bad. whole load of nonsense? <laughs> right? Like if you're an author who just has well, a book have, full of they nonsense. Have reviewers. 
Oh, they have okay. review. They have reviewers. Right. They have reviewers. It's, you know, <laughs> I don't know how strict their review policy is, but they have them. Uh, but here's the thing, and this isn't just Audible. This is also with iTunes or Amazon. This is also with iTunes or um, crud. Who else is doing audio right now? Um, they keep seventy five percent of the revenue. Wow. So, and but, that's why I say it gets I really you, need but to it gets you name recognition on, and exposure. Yeah, it gets, yeah, it gets you in front of a huge search engine. It gets you the, it gets you the opportunity to make these sales. So it has, you know, you're you're getting something in return for that. Yeah, I'm, lo- that I'm looking at your book on Audible right now, leading you out of the darkness into the light. Regular price six ninety five, member price because I'm, I'm a member is four eighty six, or you know, because I buy credits, I just get it with my credit value. But yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. I would have uh, yeah. expected that to be at least a ten dollar book, but I didn't realize that they do their own rating system. Huh. Yeah. It was, it's, it was a very uh, disappointing process because, uh, you know, I, I went through the thing of getting my book reported, recorded, and I'm, I'm excited about, I'm going to have my book on audible. Cause you know, that is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And then I started getting into bits and bolts of it. And I'm like, Oh, crud, you know what I mean? Uh, but like you say, it is still out there. It's, it's another platform, but you know where I would really like to get my book. And, and this just, I guess, kind of shows you how, how backwards we can get when it comes to creative things. Okay. Say they sell my book on audible for seven bucks and they keep, and they're going to keep four seventy-five of them. I'm going to get a buck 70, maybe somewhere along and get less than $2. I would actually be happier, more excited if I found out that they were going to add my books to the National Library Service for the Blind, where I get nothing, uh, because it would be one of those ego things where I'd be like, "Hey, man, they re- decided to, to record my books and add them to the catalog," and that's not something they do for everybody. Well, so it's I'm not. Like, o- it's not always about the uh, ego. And it's, I've, it's, I've it's, you know, the past people said, that's you becoming a bigger influencer, though, too, right? You're, you're, oh, yeah. you're respected yeah. enough to at least can be considered to be moved into that library. Yeah. Well, and the other, and to, to friends of mine who have, who have tried to look at it the more positive way, they're like, Max, you do realize that the visually impaired community are some of the most loyal uh, consumers in the world. And if they like your book from the library, they're going to tell their friends and their family and their online communities that they need to go buy this book. Yep. So, and they'll buy your other books. And, and yeah. that's, that's the chain reaction that you want to build from that loyalty feed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I will, I will be honest enough to admit that uh, when they do add my books to the National Library Service for the Blind or the Royal Canadian or the Royal Un- or, the, or the Royal United Kingdom, I will probably be happier about that than I would be, you know, a lot of other things that have happened with any of my books. Well, in the end, I, I think I think we ought to be reminded here is that it's about the baby steps. Like a lot of us want a lot of stuff to happen quickly, but sometimes, as you've you've a great example of, my, I've learned it's like guys like. You got to just keep taking action and moving forward in life. And these little steps build momentum and they build into bigger things. Like, for example, I think last time I saw online and you and I briefly chatted, you have an opportunity to go overseas next, right? <laughs> I wondered which one of us was going to bring that up. Um, yeah, hey man, um, I pay attention. I, I'm, well, I tell you, I'm, I'm so, so humbled by the fact that somebody who is as busy and prolific as you are is able to see what I'm up to. So, yeah. Um, that's it, Max. Secretly, I'm stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
cool because I've been kind of disappointed. I've been kind of bummed lately because I don't have a stalker. So uh, that makes me feel I, good. I think we all need at least one good stalker. I don't have. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a stalker or a troll or 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 anybody that hates me. And and okay, just because I know words and thoughts have power, let me make sure everybody knows this. I'm not asking for one. I don't want somebody <laughs> to decide that I'm all of a sudden their pet project and they're going to they're going to they're going to haunt my every waking mo- movement. But I do sometimes think, you know, Max, maybe you're just a little too vanilla that you don't have a stalker or, or a troll. But uh, so, yeah, you know, if you want to be my stalker, I, that would be cool because I know you're not dangerous. Um, I hope or as we used to say about Miss Penny when she was alive, she's crazy, but not dangerous. Lovely. So, so, yeah. OK, here's the thing. I have this woman. She's been following my blog for over a year. I did not know her, did not know she was even I did not really realize who she was. That she was signed up for my email list. But I uh, put my book out on my mailing list and said, hey, uh, would love to get people to review this for their blogs or their podcasts or for Amazon. And she was the first one said yes. Hmm. She read my book while she was skiing in Colorado, which, you know, uh, is very flattering that because if I were in Colorado, I wouldn't be reading anybody's book. I'm sorry. Um, I I leave in uh, four weeks. Okay. Well, maybe you'll get my I'll book. I'll be out there maybe skiing. You can help me. And maybe you could hey, take my book with me and get some pictures of you with my book. I'll do it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll do selfies. I'll do selfies. Selfies yeah. on the slopes in Vail, Colorado. <laughs> I already I do. It. I already I do it with my buddies. Uh, he, uh, there's a company called Eat Pilly Nuts. I, I actually yeah. promote them on my website too, but they're uh, the healthiest nuts I've found on the planet. They're from the Philippines. So okay. I do selfies on Instagram with his his nuts all the time. It's a bad way of saying it, but I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to take your nuts everywhere I go and take selfies with them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, but 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 Anne is a travel blogger from the United Kingdom. She read my book. She loved it. She wrote this post about what it must be like to travel as a blind person that's got a lot of great response. Um, but the crazy thing, the thing I didn't expect was, is she's like, Max, uh, you're always up for something new and and uh, and challenging and crazy. Why don't you come visit me in the UK? She said, I love to host you. And she said, um, you know, I put it out to some of my friends and there's like eight or nine other people who would like to have you come stay in their houses. And so now we're up to like 10 or 12 people. We've got a Facebook group for called the max round max RTW challenge or max round the world challenge. Um, we have already decided that, uh, on December 20th, I'm going to be in Sheffield, England and United kingdom later this year. And we don't know how I'm going to get there, but we know I will. And so far, I've got invitations from uh, from Canada, uh, several countries and cities in the United Kingdom, uh, Germany, Vienna, Austria, Barcelona, Spain. You do, and you do as, know, Max, that people even as far as Mumbai, India, people actually like make a living just doing travel blogging. I have heard that. I've heard that. So like, um, you could be the most unique, one of the most unique travel bloggers out there for the blind community. I literally on Instagram the other day was just following um, a couple of millennials. They're a millennial couple. They're probably twenty-two, and yeah. you know they 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 kept. They were smart. They stayed minimalist with their lifestyle when they got going, and they would just as they you know they they would convince companies and hotels and all these like, hey guys, like I'm looking to come to your country. I want to blog about you. I am, for example, I am the blind blogger. I, I would love to promote you during my, my challenges of what it's like to do international travel as a blind traveler. Like, dude, oh my God, you could, that, you could take well, your brand to another level. Well, that's what I've been doing. I've been approaching uh, airlines and cruise lines and 
retreat organizers, and uh, I've started I've started approaching uh, businesses for sponsorships uh, this week, and uh, you know I I agree with you because it's it's really it's really hard to wrap my head around the fact that you know yeah I am I've got this I've got this great uh, this great brand and this amazing story, but you know I went to New York City you know and what what is next after New York City? Well, uh, I think Los that's Angeles a great way made, to start. You know, so uh, so my plan is is I'm I'm pitching hard a conference in uh, Florida in the last week of November. It's for the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. I am pitching them very hard to do a talk on how these um, these family entertainment centers, amusement parks, museums, and etc. can use podcasts and radio shows to really educate the public and build and protect their brands. And I think it would make a lot of sense for them to say yes. Uh, so I'm thinking that leaving from there to New York City to uh, Manchester, England, which I've been told is the nearest airport to Sheffield, I think that makes a lot of sense, which is why, you know, I've, I've been reaching out to events here in the U.S. I would love to get as much stuff going on as I can, especially on the East Coast, because I love the trains. Uh, I don't mind, you know, going up and down the coast. There you go. Uh, I would really love to try to get some people in Canada ho to host me this summer during June, July, and August when it's kind of when it's kind of hot as heck here in Houston, but it's nice and and, and refreshing up there. And basically, you know, before I forget, if if you're if you're watching, you know, Scott's show, which means you're you're automatically classy people to start with, uh, and. <laughs> And you're putting on an event or you have an organization that needs a speaker. You cannot do any better than the inspirational, motivational storyteller that is the blind blogger. Boom. Yeah, I'm getting used to saying that too, man. I'm getting really good. I'm so I'm getting... proud of you, sir, because when, yeah. we, when I when I met you in Philadelphia, you were just like, hey, man, I've never come out to an event like this and spoken before. And now you have no problem. And here's the thing. I tell you all the time in sales and marketing. is like, dude, if you can't sing your own praise, how do you expect other people to do the same for you? So never hold back. Always be prepared right. to share your story. Right. Well, the thing I've had to, to the thing I've had problem with is as something I talked about in one of my one of my videos um, last year is I had to get to the point where I was buying what I was selling. And for a while, I True. could say it, but I didn't say it like I meant it. You know, I didn't say, hey, I'm the blind blogger. I'm known all around the world as the blind blogger. I couldn't say that and feel in my heart that I meant it. But now, you know, what I just told you about, you know, uh, about what, how I would see myself if people were looking to, to add to their event, I can say that. I can mean it. I can believe it. I do believe it. And that's that's been one of the really hard parts is to go from, Okay, knowing what you're doing is is inspiring. That what you're doing is really good work and helping others. To going to the point where you know you believe in this this brand, you believe in it to the point that you're willing to scream it if you if you have the opportunity. And is. you know, and like you said, when you first met me, uh, I wouldn't have been able to introduce myself that way. Um, and it's not even a year later yet, my friend. No, it isn't. We're talking, um, let's see, uh, May of last year to the 1st of February of this year. Yeah, so, yeah, we're recording this on February 1st, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. Yeah, so I mean, it's... <laughs> That's my coon even, hound. The even the dog agrees. Yep, even Calvin's like, hell yeah, it. blind blogger. <laughs> yeah, even the dog is feeling it. 
you know, and I try to, and you know, I, I don't know if we, if I've mentioned it before, but I, I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan, and I really, I really think that uh, one of the things that those guys are great at is what they call promos, where they they introduce themselves and they talk, they talk noise, they tell you what they're going to do and who they're going to do it to, and that's who I kind of have to see in my head when I, you know, uh, fervently tell somebody, hey, I'm known around the world as the blind blocker. There you go. That's it. Well, listen, this has been a powerful a show once again. You and I actually are classic examples of how most of my shows I tell people like, oh, they're 30 to 60 minutes and <laughs> they may go long. So, but that's the beauty of digital content, whether it be video like we did today or the classic audio for podcasting, you just hit pause and you come back later. So, uh, yeah. well, listen, Max, yeah. it's been great catching up, but as a reminder to you, I always ask my co-hosts to help close the show out to, and you've already shared a lot of powerful messaging, but like, obviously this has your all encompassing message behind the mission, everything you're trying to do and trying to figure out, has that morphed since obviously last year, since you and I were on the show, is there a new message you kind of want to put out there to the world that you want people to make sure they understand about you and, and, and the mission behind what you're doing right now? I'm not sure that it's morphed. I think it may, if anything, be clearer. Oh, I like and- it. And the thing is, is that I know what my, I know what my, what my role is. Um, I am this guy who will continue to challenge himself so that he can inspire and motivate other people to do more with their lives. And the best way I can do that is just to keep showing up every day, keep putting myself out there, keep saying, Hey, you need to talk to me on your show and reminding people that they need to be doing the same thing. They need to be taking those small steps. They need to be sending out the emails and making the phone calls to get on a podcast or a radio show or uh, at the local Rotarians luncheon. You know, they need to be networking and they need to celebrate all the small accomplishments that happen every day. Um, but it really just comes down to having your, your heart and your mind open to the opportunities that are going to come along during the course of your day. And I just hope I do a really good job of being a good example. And when I go out there, I try to remind myself, Hey Max, there are people out in the world who need to be inspired. They need to be challenged. They need to be motivated. And when they see you doing what you're doing, yeah, you're not climbing mountains or sailing around the world. Uh, you're not a fortune 500 cat, but you're doing what you're doing. You're doing it in your own way. And you are facing fears. You're, uh, overcoming obstacles and accomplishing things. When they see you do that, then they ask themselves, and this is my favorite comment. I get it all the time. It's this, it's the point where the name of my podcast comes from. So many people say, if Max can do it, then what is my excuse? I love it. To me, to me, that's who I am. That's my role. That's my that's my mission in life is to be the guy who's who makes them look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves, if he can do this, then why can't I? That's a great way to close the show out. I love the message, sir. Well done, man. All right. Thank well, listen, you. hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye. Let me close the show out so that way we can get back to our lives. So, ladies and gentlemen. That was Maxwell Ivy. And as I've told you multiple times on this show, please visit theblindblogger.net. 
He's got multiple books. I've already shown you on the show today that I went ahead and ponied up and bought The Blind Bloggers, NYC Adventures, New York City. This guy's not messing around, so pick up the new book. Please download the uh, e-version. If you want the e-version, order the physical copy or stay tuned for the uh, Audible version coming soon, whatever. The point is... Go to theblindblogger.net, all right? Follow his journey. Follow him on social media. I'll have everything linked in the show notes like I always do. So again, as we always tell you guys on every other episode, keep living the fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, listeners and fans of Live the Fuel. Scott Mulvaney here, your founder and host. Please hang tight for another one to two minutes, and you're going to hear some added value resources and discounts. So first off, please don't forget to subscribe and submit a review for the show. It'll really help others find our show, and I would love to get the feedback. Also, please be sure to visit livethefuel.com and score your free Super 7s resource guide. This has got over 21 different resources that I've put together to help fuel your health, business, and lifestyle goals. Okay, once you're on the website, ladies and gentlemen, go to the resources page and you're going to score some added discounts. I've set up discount code relationships with my favorite snack nuts from eatpillynuts.com and my favorite healthy fats olive oil from villacapelli.com. And lastly, don't forget, I'm your connection into the healthy nutrition world from Isogenics. You'll see the logo there. Feel free to reach out to me. I got my schedule online. And to close things out, guys, Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is awesome, and I love having you listen, and it wouldn't be possible without our amazing editor known as David Studio. So if you're an up-and-coming podcaster or an existing podcaster, and you're just trying to find a better way to get it done like I do, get a hold of his editing services. You can find him on Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, Fiverr.com, and search for David Studio. And lastly, just to close this out, ladies and gentlemen, we discuss so much health, business, and lifestyle on this show. We bring on biologists and doctors and entrepreneurs, and it's just a powerful sharing of knowledge. But one thing I do want to remind you is this. We are not a uh, replacement for your medical doctor, uh, for example, on the health information. So please, this is a show of free knowledge. If you need to go seek a professional's advice, please do so. This is free knowledge. We're sharing it out there, but obviously you need to make your own intelligent decisions when it comes to your health, your business, and your lifestyle. I just want to remind you of that. In the end, keep listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for the reviews. And let's keep growing this powerful message of a healthier, more successful business lifestyle for you all. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.